What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jay DeMeo, and I am super fired up to talk CVASP's 2021, the RVA edition, with one of our sensational presenters today. Allie Kirshner is joining us, and I couldn't be happier to see you and hear from you earlier today, Allie. Things are going, I'm just really excited to catch up with you so everyone can understand what's new in the life of Allie, because it's been a pretty interesting six months. Yes, it has. I'm excited to be here and talk to you too, Jay. But yeah, so let's catch up a little bit to people with where Allie is and and all of these big changes that have been going on, because, you know, I I think that a lot of people, like we were just joking about, you know, a lot of people are going to look at what you know, your new project is and say, well, I mean, you you just won a national championship. You just stood up to one of the most powerful organizations in sports in this country and then said, you know, I'm going to go do this now. So let's talk a little bit about what you got going with Art of Coaching and how that all built. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I know we were laughing about how probably from the outside looking in, this is quite the the shift quite the change up but in my family I'm sort of known for that and just kind of easygoing pretty peaceful and then I like to just kind of drop a drop a little bomb and and let it blow up around me so <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary in the Kirshner household at least but yeah I'm um, the director of creative strategy which I a title I made up for myself which is everything that you need to know at art of coaching and I'm doing a little bit of marketing a lot of sales, a lot of education, content creation, and most of my, well, I I would say like my favorite part of the job, unsurprisingly, is getting to be in person running our, or co-facilitating our communication workshops. I love it. And I think that this is something that, you know, based on our conversations, it's perfect for you, you know, being able to use your unique experiences and your unique background to help people be better and to do this better, you know, when it comes to just simple dialogue and understanding and listening and how to build, not just, you know, through communication barriers, but relationships in general in order to grow and expand to be better coaches. Yeah. And and that's exactly why I wanted to do it. You know, I would say this is kind of a long time coming in one sense, because pretty much from the start of my coaching career, I always gravitated toward the human dynamic interpersonal relationship side of things. My master's thesis was in this. I looked at attentional focus, internal versus external cueing, as opposed to, you know, any of like the very physiological energy system, heavy science or research that I could have gone into. Um, and, and I always, I would say like programming was the thing that came last in terms of what I looked forward to doing and the, the part of the job that really felt natural to me. It was always the interactions on the floor, like, like get me on the floor coaching. And I loved, loved, loved my job. And that's actually what made it so hard to leave. Cause I knew I'd be giving up that part of it, but you know, that part of it was at the end of the day, a relatively small part of my job, my day-to-day. And so the opportunity to do that on a more full-time basis and kind of dedicate all energy toward that, that side of things was sort of a welcome 
a welcome change, I would say. Yeah, and I would also just assume based on how um, multi-directional, let's just say, your life was through the entire 1920 or 2021, excuse me, season. Like, you guys didn't have a home for like four months. I mean, just being able to to do this now has to be, I mean, a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I like looking back on that experience. I'm very grateful for it. Like, and we had conversations during that time. Like, it was by no means easy. One, it's all relative. Like we were just talking off air about how <laughs> some other things in the world are, you know, relatively much more difficult, and uh, we have it very, very nice and and uh, a cush lifestyle, if you will. But yeah, I, I, it really brought to light, I guess, what things I valued in terms of moving forward in a career and the skill sets and the environment I wanted to build for myself um, as a a young coach. And, you know, as you know, like you get into coaching very early and for most of us, we stay in it and we just keep serving and we keep giving and we keep giving and we keep giving. And at at what point do you take a second and kind of look back and, and ask yourself, like, what am I growing? What am I, what am I doing here? And is this in line with where I want to go? And for many people it is for me, it was, I guess I, I did have aspirations in other categories and other, other realms of career development. And so this was the right time to, to kind of make that change. But looking back on that, that had to be a severely awesome time of just personal growth as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it, it was, it was, I mean, I guess personal growth never feels good in the moment, right? Feels like really sticky and messy and chaotic. Yeah. Looking back on it, it was great. I needed that. Absolutely. I needed that. But in the moment, I'm not like looking back on it and being like, oh, that was, that was great. I really loved every moment of that. No, but you know, it spoke with Molly recently about this too, you know, talking about personal growth and those sort of things. And then like, in a vocation where we talk about the importance of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you guys talk about this at AOC quite a bit. Like strength coaches are one of the worst groups when it comes to being uncomfortable or being comfortable, being uncomfortable in like personal development. Like, yeah, put on, put a bar on my back and I'll strain through it. Or yeah, put me on the Versa climber and I'll go until I can't see straight. But when it comes to like really in-depth growth type things and expanding yourself in different directions, we kind of stink at it. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you phrased it perfectly. I think because communication, relationship building, a lot of these more, you know, um, interpersonal skills are so intricately tied to who we are as people it is it's really hard to work on or I guess admit that maybe you're not good at them and need work on them as opposed to other things that are tied to coaching like the actual skill that you're coaching 
the X's and O's, the new technology you're learning, those, those are all like great. They're, they're stackable. Right. But if you look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like human connection and, um, an ability to express yourself, self-awareness, all of those are much lower on the, on the pyramid. And, like admitting that those might not be solid and that foundation is maybe not as firm as you once thought it can be sort of a, uh, it's just a really, it's a weird, weird feeling. And I think that coaches aren't ready to always admit that. And so they just start piling on stuff at the top of the pyramid instead. Yeah. And then just hide it with, you know, the mask of the tough guy or the, you know, the, verbal craziness of whatever we want to say we're doing when really it's just trying to get you in better shape and stronger and run faster. Yeah. I mean, it sounds easy. It sounds simple, but, um, and that's, I think like even myself, I used to, and I still do like turn away at a lot of the lingo and jargon around some of the stuff that we do, you know, like it can be called soft skills can be called, you know, self-development and, and many of these other kind of almost woo-woo sounding things. And like early in my development, I pushed those away as well because I, I did feel like there's no way you can measure that objectively. And how can I prove that using this or making myself better, this is going to directly translate to my team, my athletes, getting them stronger, faster, et cetera. And when I understood that it is much more tactical and it is measurable and it is quantifiable, I was like, oh, okay, like now my brain can comprehend it. So, and I wonder if that's just the missing link and we just need to do a better job of putting into terms that coaches understand because we are a very rational, logical field and research is important to us. So I think that was the turning point for me, at least. No, I think that's great. And I think that while there are a lot of pieces that revolve around that rationality, I still think that the reason why what you know started really with Brett by himself and has evolved into this really great organization that's trying to help people is the fact that albeit so much is rational, just as much of it is stuck in tradition. Mm. And being stuck in that tradition is where people miss the forest for the trees and still use, and I know that Brett doesn't like the term soft skills. Like people still use those because that's what they've always been called, you know? And that inability to, and listen, I'm just as guilty of this as anybody. So don't sit here and think that, you know, we're outside in upstate New York and I've got all the snowballs and, you know, there's plenty to get thrown back at me. But, you know, when you sit here and you look at these things, especially us older folk, we get stuck in our ways and our thoughts and how we do things all the way down with how we communicate and we educate ourselves and understanding that you're probably going to need to look in another direction to avoid getting hit is one that a lot of us really need to take a step back and and heed to. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. There's so many reasons people don't change. 
I, I don't, and anytime, you know, like we can sit here, you know, from our, our vantage point and be like, why aren't people taking a communication? Why aren't they changing? Why aren't they doing this? I can look right back at myself. And I know that there are many things that I don't change on and that I'm stubborn on. And so understanding that there's always going to be something in the way of change because we, we don't like change as humans, um, allows you to maybe not sympathize, but understand there's, it's going to be a slow, a slow revolution, <laughs> but hopefully, you know, we can keep coming back to just the, the fundamental idea of like, what do you have to lose by being a better communicator? That's a pretty fair question. That's like, I, I just, I, I think, you know, like you could ask yourself the same thing of many other things, but in coaching, at least the, the things that we're spending our money on the things that we're spending our time on. Yeah. They make you might make you percent better. They might give you that slight edge, but like, why, why focus on that when you're missing, you're missing this huge thing right in front of you. Um, that it is, it's a beast to tackle. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. It's not like this easy thing that we're all just missing. It's, it's really uncomfortable and it's really hard, but it's, um, it's almost like too obvious, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I also think too that, you know, really over the last 18 months, I think that the idea of uncomfortable conversation has become one that is permeated, you know, every aspect. When really, I think that conversations and situations become uncomfortable when your objective of the situation is not the betterment of all involved. If you're able to sit there and take yourself out of it mm -hmm. and listen to what's important to other people and figure out that, that you need to be better for other people, you know, because we do this too, right? We talk about this all the time. It's like, oh, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Or like, you know, you got to love your kids that you coach and all this and that. Okay. But if we really do care about the people we work with and, and the, the athletes that we work for, is should there be such thing as a hard conversation? Should there be such thing as a situation where you're, where you're challenging yourself and you become uncomfortable or if we really say, well, if we really do what we say we do, excuse me, shouldn't we be more, you know, adept to being like, yeah, this is the right thing for these people. This is how I need to get better. Mm -hmm. That's what we say we do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's a really interesting question. Um, I think hard conversations, I, we just avoid them. Like, because I think that we're, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that could be said around this topic, but one, I think there's a, just a lack of education in general about the topics in which we choose to engage. And so that makes for an un, uneven sided, almost competition in a conversation. And, and that's another issue is that we're seeing the conversation as a competition that somebody has to win as opposed to a volley, you know, like let's just volley back and forth. This should be a, a co-collaborative process. 
And, you know, one, if we have done our research and we have, or at least, or at least we're open-minded in asking questions, I think that's the first layer. I think the second layer is respect and just like knowing that there doesn't need to be a winner. And also that, that even hard conversations can happen in a respectful way. Um, and that you don't need to agree. Like at the end of the day, I think there's this assumption that how hard conversations need to end in an agreement. And that's not the case. It's, it's simply to communicate a point of view and allow somebody in and also be open-minded enough to accept where you might be wrong or, or just missing information. And I think that could expand into any sector, not just coaching, but if we follow those kind of principles in a hard conversation, I think we'd get a lot further than how we oftentimes view hard conversations, which is I'm not moving from my rock. You're not moving from your rock. Somehow we just need to get all the information out and then just like, leave it there. That's not a hard conversation. That's just a diatribe. Like where's the discourse? Where's the debate? Where's the respectful disagreement? I think that there's, there's, we're still missing that part of it. Where's the respectful disagreement? I think is one that going back to what we were talking about before, you know, like my newfound love of rabbit holes going down the political spectrum. I think that that's a, a bit of current events with someone who may live in the Pacific Northwest that is uh, that is pretty crazy right now as well. And how you know, talk about social media, how some of these things have been driven for all of those things, but that's another talk for another day. I mean, that might be like one of our talks, the social, when yeah. you're in Richmond, because that, that might be a beers on the table yeah. conversation. Because yeah. it's like people, like, and I also think too, like respectfully disagreeing, like especially in like just in what we do, the number of people that still like just get all angry about what type of squat you should do, you know, like spoiler alert it, it really doesn't matter you know like why can't we sit there and listen and take something from someone that might look at it differently and at the least part agree to disagree and then yep. still get along with them like man jay yeah you're, you're hitting on something big there and i think like if, if truly if everybody just went into a conversation thinking I'm going to just try to get something out of this conversation. I just want to learn something from this individual. I think we would get so much further as, because that, that forces you to be open enough to at least hear what they're saying. Like nobody's saying you have to agree. Nobody's saying you have to agree, but you have to listen and you have to be open-minded enough to check what they're saying against what you know to be true. And by the way, what you know to be true shouldn't just be an assumption that you've made because you've heard it from your parents or it's been passed down through seven generations, right? Like you should be filtering your own information as well and not just from the news. <laughs> that's a, again, another conversation. Yeah, that, that's a hundred percent another conversation. But yeah, and I, I also think that with that, right? Like there's two sides to every story and every coin and understanding that like you're never going to be able to move forward if you only you know like again like another cliche thing we say right if all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail right like it doesn't just 
matter for like how you squat and how you bench. Like it's everything. Like how can you, you brought up finance earlier when we were talking, like things like that. Like, is it index funds? Is it individual stocks? Is it real estate? Is it crypto? Is it bonds? Are you hiding your money in a pillowcase under your mattress? We talk about why that's not the best idea, but you know, we can go into other things, you know, like there's a, there's a hundred million different things out there. Well, and then there's, there's the way things are and the way things seem and perception muddies everything. So it's like, it's regardless of if we both have facts, it's how we then perceive the facts. that's going to dictate how that conversation goes. It's like the, the, the famous study that we talk about, um, at art of coaching is like, if I bake you some fudge, right. And I like, Hey Jay, here's some fudge. I just made it for you. And you trust me, right? Like, so I'm not going to like this, this is good fudge. I promise. If I hand it to you, you're going to be like, Oh, great. Thank you. But if I then deliver that same fudge shaped like a piece of turd in a bedpan, you might be like, Whoa, like, no, I'm good. Right. Same fudge. There's how it's how things are, right. It's fudge. Same thing. I just shaped it differently and I packaged it differently, right? How things are versus how things seem. And that's, I think that's where we can get into the weeds with coaching because we think we're delivering good information in a way that they will understand. And yet they're seeing a turd in a bedpan. First of all, I would die laughing. That would be hilarious. Like that would be that's a that's, watch out if you come trick or treating at Jada Mayo's house, you're getting a turn in a bedpan. <laughs> Dude, that's so, but then again, I'm also kind of like I have a twisted sense of humor. So, like, if someone yeah, did that too. for me, like, I would be like, This is hilarious. Uh, yo, bring a knife, you know, yeah, like, like, yeah, me, yeah, 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 cut this up for everybody. You want some, right. You know, and there would be some sort of like, you guys want some of the shit joke, you know, somewhere in there, you know, to, but yeah, no. shitty, shitty situation. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's, that's great. And I think though, that, that, I mean, that thought of, because that's another thing that people argue about, right? Is it's like facts versus feelings, but facts and feelings aren't independent, no, they're not separate. No, exactly. You have feelings about facts. Yes. And I think that that's something that even people outside of strength and conditioning can get better with, especially in today's day and age. But, you know, I think that a lot of these, you know, things that we've been touching upon when it comes to communication and how people perceive things and, and growth and all of that are, are really good lead in here for the big three. You know, so let's let's dive into these real quick, Allie, and, yeah. and see what we can get into here. You know, it's still a younger profession that we're part of, you know, and, but there are some mistakes that happen in strength and conditioning, not just in America, but, you know, all over the country, all over the world. And we see it more now from a global sense because of, you know, these great things. Um, so let's talk about that. You know, what is a, a a mistake that you see and what are some ways that you feel like that we could do things differently that you know to maybe correct some of these issues yeah i mean shoot i i guess i'm still figuring out that part of it myself um 
but having been in it deep in it and then kind of being now maybe a little bit more peripheral to collegiate SNC, um, you know, I guess something that I would give advice to my younger self would be one, not just copying the coaches that you learn from. Uh, I think there's just a tendency to do that because it's easy and well, there's respect there and you, you see them doing a good job. And so why not? Right. But more likely than not your natural coaching style and the, the way that your personality melds with kind of who you are and the people that you work with probably isn't going to do the best as a replica of that. So try on different hats, self-evaluate, become more self-aware, ask for feedback. I mean, you're just going to have to try on a lot of different styles until you find the one that fits. But I think we kind of get down a rabbit hole of who we think we should be as a coach. And then usually that, that comes from just who we've seen. And, um, I just think that's, that's something that I wish I had done is just take the time to try on different styles, um, of coaching earlier in my career. I think, um, I think coaches don't take enough time to have micro interactions with their athletes on a more personal level. I think can be really easy to say, I don't have time to get to know every single kid individually, but it's not like you need to sit them down on a one-on-one interview and know everything about them. It's, you know, right. Like asking, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? That leads organically to a conversation about a friend's birthday party. Oh, I didn't know you were into playing the guitar. Right. And, and just kind of jotting that down and those stack, those micro interactions stack, and those are going to be the ones that allow you to adapt your communication and your coaching to the individual to make it more meaningful to them. And then obviously I'm a little biased on this sense, but I I don't think that people take enough time uh, to invest in the interpersonal side of coaching. And that can be so many different things, but you know, if you look at where our money goes, in in the field in terms of con ed I mean it's like there's like I think three courses in on the interpersonal and intrapersonal side of uh coaching and you know like 162 or something the numbers probably changed by this point of uh things on the technical side and tactical side so I think those would probably be the the mistakes I've seen in myself and the field in general so touching on that first one here a little bit, when we're talking about kind of, if we want to call it like that imposter syndrome that I think a lot of us end up running into, do you feel that that is just a byproduct of the system that we have in place? You know, the intern to GA to assistant, or do you think that that's something that This might not be the right term, but it's almost like a rite of passage to to be a coach is to have that moment where you're like looking around. And you're like, yo, this ain't me. Like, I gotta, I gotta be who I am, not who I've learned under. Absolutely, I, I think it's entirely a product because you see, um, you see coaches who, through the model in which they were brought up have to spend time around 
either more populations, more diverse populations, like maybe they're working gen pop and they're, they're training an elderly population along with children, along with collegiate athletes. And also they're, they're maybe spending time bumping around different coaches. I think they, they're set up better, um, to kind of at least just see that different styles work that I think is, um, at least where I got stuck is that I saw, I saw two styles largely that worked. And so I kind of became a, (laughs) a melting pot of both of them, which is, which was great, right? Like both of them are incredible people, incredible coaches. So it did work very well for me, but it still didn't allow me to be me. So I think it is the system, but, um, I think allowing coaches opportunities to get around more different diverse sets of populations and people, not always practical, but I think it is the solution and the way forward. No, I dig it. I think that we've all had that moment where it's been like the kind of like face palm emoji, you know, where it's like, yeah, I'm not, but I'm not and sure. that's the thing. It's like, I, I agree with you. I think it's like, had I not gone through that, would I be able to sit, sit where I'm sitting now and say that this is a problem? I, maybe not. Like, it's like, had I not had you know, this experience in my life, I probably wouldn't have become this person, right? Like, so it's really hard to say if that should be even fixed. Maybe that shouldn't be fixed. Maybe that's just something we all need to be aware of and cautious that we are, uh, so that we don't, we don't uh, succumb to that or later in life. No, I dig that too. And I think though, you know, when we're talking about medical residencies and all of this earlier, where, you know, they don't, they don't just do one thing, you know, right. unfortunately for us all too often, and like getting into the whole licensure argument and everything, that's another talk for another day too. But, um, you know, it's typically, it's like you have an internship, maybe two, and that person helps you get a GA that is a connection. So, you know, you're not, you, the expansion you think you're going through in hindsight is just a straight line. Mm-hmm. So maybe there needs to be some form of change to that in that sort of realm, but I don't know. I don't know if I've got the, uh, the time or the pull to alter that sort of thing when it comes to what we do here. Yeah. I mean, how much time we got <laughs> to, well, we're going to have a lot in July. That's yeah, sure. I'm excited be, about that. That'll be fun to bounce around. But, you know, when we're looking at things like that, you know, and we're looking at educating and growing and even things like how we should, you know, understand our styles, you know, improving knowledge and continuing education is obviously important to you. So, you know, what are some things, obviously, this is going to be a loaded question, but some directions and, and ways that we can improve this for coaches? You know, I actually was thinking about this question and I kind of want to take a, an alternative approach, which is, I think coaches, and I don't know what what this could look like. So I'm just kind of riffing here, but I think all coaches need to take a course in marketing. And I say that because I resisted, like you can ask Brett, um, when I first joined the company, I had an aversion to selling. Like, I was like, I don't want to be a salesperson. 
no, no, no. I don't want to do marketing. But then I realized that marketing is communication. There's a reason why companies pay millions of dollars for Super Bowl ads, right? Because the way that things are phrased, the messaging that's used literally can sell um, anything. And we all sell every day as coaches. If you want somebody to do something that's difficult or different than they're used to, you're selling it, right? You're making it appeal to them in a way that's going to show them the benefit of how it's going to help them in the long run. So having this sort of like lateral knowledge of marketing and like the world of marketing and how to clarify a message, cater it to an audience, make it so that it's using their language, right? Like no jargon. We're, we're a base species, Jay, and you know this. Like these are things, these are marketing principles and that is coaching. Like being able to take a heavily nuanced subject matter of coaching, of physiology, of science, and boil it down in a way that your audience is going to understand it in an appealing way that they're going to make you like, so they want to do it. That's marketing. So I think coaches should take some courses in that. I'm with it. I'm, I'm with that a lot, especially too, because, you know, getting back to being uncomfortable. I mean, that's going to be something that is going to stretch people and is going to, if you've never read a marketing book or never looked into any of those things. It's a science. That's a thing. It's like, yo, Jay, real, people, people get degrees in this. And then, then we were over here bashing it. Like, no, 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 I'm not gonna, I don't want to be a sellout. I shouldn't have a personal brand. I, don't, I shouldn't be on social media. It's taking time away from me coaching. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. That is coaching. Like, like being able to have something that you stand for and being able to like consistently deliver that message in a way that's authentic and gets to the core root of the issue and to your audience, that is coaching. So how, how are you going to tell me that? And, and look, I'm talking to myself right now. So like, mm -hmm. this is not like me, like, you know, berating the audience. Like this is, this was me. I needed to hear this. Um, that is it's coaching. It's all the same. It's just a different package. Yeah. And I, I think I love the, that argument too, where people are like, oh, well, I don't need a personal brand. It's like, yeah, but you're on Instagram and you're on Facebook. Like whether, you know, I think it, I'm sure it was Gary Vaynerchuk that said something about like, if you're on any form of social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever it is, you have a personal brand. Like whether yeah. you believe it or not, like the reality of it is like, if all you do, like if all I ever did was post pictures of me walking with my dog, my personal brand is me walking my dog. Like that's it, you know? And it's not like sitting here and saying, oh, well, I don't, I don't see any of this. Like, so you might as well, right. And you yeah. might as well control that narrative, right? Like if, if it exists, then you might as well have something to do with it and be able to control at least, you're not going to be able to control what people think about it or what people say about it, but there's something to be said about having a record of what you believe, what you believe in and what you stand for to kind of back you up, you know, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And even more so like the more that you can put out there and share with people, the more value you provide to them, the more they're willing to listen to you later. Now there's also some issues when it comes to, personal brand and branding with other places. Um, 
that's another talk for another day also. Uh, but yeah, dude, I think that whole idea with marketing is, is super. Like, it's one that, especially like, kind of basically going through like each step of the internet age of coaching, right? Like when I started here, it was when the Charlie Francis forum was big and the elite FTS Q and a, and then it turned into uh, Yahoo groups then Facebook groups or no, there was like, uh, there was like some websites that people would like join for like forums. And then there was Facebook groups. And now it's Instagram and, and everything on Twitter, which I'm still not able to handle. But anyway, um, you know, just watching this evolution, like, yeah, that's what it is. You know? It's like, and that's the thing is like, it's not a substitute for interaction, right? Like, we're not, I'm not saying like, oh, like, go take a marketing class and like, you'll have all your problems solved. But I think... I was surprised with how much it clarified my communication and how much it clarified the messaging that I was using to athletes, to other coaches about my personal brand. It's, it's like, um, it's a Swiss army knife. I mean, it, and it's something that most people won't take the time to do. So I would say if you, if you want to take a step ahead, um, I would take a marketing course and obviously like plug <laughs> for our stuff, um, cause we're just trying to like teach people power dynamics, influence tactics, how to deal with office politics. Like, like how, how more, how much more practical can you get? You know, like this is stuff you're going to deal with in every facet of your life, not just coaching. So, um, I think expanding, expanding your view, your take off the blinders, um, in terms of like strength coach, you know, everyday stuff and like maybe just look a little bit to the left or right. And I think you'd be surprised at what you find. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. And then now, you know, let me get you out of here with the third and final question here, Allie. July 15th and 16th, Richmond, Virginia. What can people expect to hear from Allie Kirschen? I mean, I'm hoping that we're going to, well, I, I, we, but you know, me, I guess, um, talk about, the, the decision that I made that led to me leaving collegiate strength and conditioning, what I guess prompted that decision, what happens when you actually leave. And then, I mean, I'm happy to, I'm happy to go wherever, but, um, you know, how do you find, how do you find the voice, that coaching voice standing up for some maybe uncomfortable conversations and, um, how to do something slightly off the beaten path just because you know it's right, even if nobody else does. I love it. And some really important and powerful messages as always. And, you know, it, I think that, you know, talking about important and uncomfortable conversations when it comes to development and growth, like being open and willing to be critiqued and allow people to sort of siphon you in different directions to continue to learn. It's been something that, you know, you've really helped me with from the start of the pandemic. I mean, you know, it started with that first discussion 
and brought this in that, you know, if you guys can't see it and you're listening, it's the book Improv Wisdom that if you didn't listen to the show when Allie was on, she recommended um, and drove me down rabbit holes. And I think that things like that are really important and for that. I can't thank you enough. And I'm, I'm really happy that to see you. I'm glad you're doing great. And I'm, I'm so excited for what y'all are cooking. Well, I mean, you and California and, and Brett down in Atlanta, because I think that this is really, really a great situation and a great thing with, with so much awesomeness to come. Well, thank you again, Jay, for just, you know, having me on, giving me a, a platform and helping the rest of our field just <laughs> get a little bit better every day. That's all we can do. I appreciate you, Allie. And I'm really excited to have you here in Richmond, Virginia, July 15th and 16th. And we'll be in touch real soon, my friend. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers.